Hello everyone and welcome to episode 16 of Wonderfilled Week. I am your host, Caitlin Corey. Today's episode is on the topic of living with intention. We just entered a new chapter, 2020, and many times the start of a new year sparks something within people to want to make changes, improvements, and adjustments to their lives. Many people aim to get to the next level, to do more, to achieve it all. But all of these grand goals can only be achieved if they begin at the root, intention. Because in the words of self-help author and motivational speaker Wayne Dyer, our intentions create our reality. So today, to help me better understand just what it means to live each day with intention is Kate Donovan. Kate is a wife, mom, dreamer, and full-time entrepreneur who believes that life is a gift and doesn't want to waste a second of it. As the CEO of Chasing Wonderment, Kate has set out to encourage women and to remind them that there is hope and that they can love every moment of their lives, even the messy ones. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to have you on. I'm a big fan of your brand and your work, and I was actually this morning listening to your most recent podcast episode and browsing around a bit on your blog, and I felt very connected to your mission um, so I just wanted to see, can you give uh, me and the listeners a little context? How did Chasing Wonderment come to be? Well, um, I've been an entrepreneur, honestly, since I was about four. Oh, yes, my. four years old. <laughs> Do tell. Um, my, my mom and dad are both entrepreneurs. My All my grandparents basically are entrepreneurs. And so I've had small businesses selling things since I was four years old. Oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Um, and so I've pretty much just had, you know, tried all the things I have sewed, I've done all kinds of things. And when I got married, what, eight, eight and a half years ago now, um, I started, um, trying hand lettering and I really fell in love with lettering because I love quotes and I love the written word and just, I think that quotes are very powerful. And so I started doing that and then I went through a series of horrendous, very difficult health problems pretty much as soon as I got engaged actually. And um, through that process, I experienced depression. And um, as I was coming out and beginning to heal, I found this hashtag on Instagram that I just could not get out from under my skin. And it was hashtag slow living. So the, the beginning of 2016, I decided that I was going to stop everything Yeah, <laughs> and I was just going to practice slow living because my husband is a workaholic, <laughs> um, not a hundred percent workaholic, but he just loves to work. He lives, he's busy that he lives for busyness. And I had just thought that I had to keep up with his pace. Um, and so I was constantly busy at a rate where my health was at, that it wasn't, it wasn't working. And, um, so I took long story short, I took the, like a two month period and literally just did nothing. I took all the pressure off myself. Um, I napped like all the time. Yeah. Self care. Yes. I started to heal, um, like inside and out. And, um, I started to see some progress and I really just wanted to share my journey with people because I was talking to women that were just exhausted. And, um, I think in this era of, of hustle and, you know, you've got to do all the things that that can be good and it has its place. But I just was like, man, more women need to know that, that, 
um, living well as possible, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's just about what you put in your days and that we have a choice. And so that kind of evolved over the period of two and a half years. And um, I'm a Jesus girl. So I just felt very clearly in, I want to say it was late 2017 or early 2018, that it was time to rebrand my business. And I had just literally just told my friend, I'm not going to rebrand. You know, I know where I'm going or I have an idea that I'm going kind of in more of a, um, like a thought leader or a ministry aspect rather than selling products, but I'm just, I'm not going to rebrand. And then I just had this little voice that was like, it's time to rebrand. Um, and so I was like, okay, we're going. <laughs> yeah. You have to follow the calling, right? You have to follow your heart. Yes, yeah. Yes. So I um, started looking around and the word wonderment just, I, I found it while like looking up random words on the thesaurus. Actually. Yeah, you, gotta, you have to I find the inspiration like, where you can. It. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where it started from was my journey of um, not healthy and not taking care of myself and a lot of mindset and all kinds of issues and then realizing that you can live well and live intentionally and with purpose like right here in the middle of everyday mess absolutely I love that and I love how it wasn't just a quick rash decision you said it's you know it's been taking you some time I love the slow living and I love that you (laughs) didn't just rush into something new like you've been growing it and I feel yeah. like that's really important, too, to t- for people because I think a lot of times people see someone with a brand or with a mission or with their intention and they're thinking, wow, like, how could I ever do that? But it's not something that happens overnight. You have to look yeah. for the inspiration in your life and sort of, like, look inward and see what's working, what's not working. And I think that was probably the turning point for you, right, when you were like, this is not going to work for me. I'm not well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, personally, that was definitely my my biggest turning point was, you know, something's not working and I need to find a change. And it took me a really long time to realize that I have a choice as to like the emotions that I feel and the people that I allow to influence me. Um, and, and some of the, the ways that I was allowing myself to kind of be influenced were wrong and not that the people were wrong. It was just, I was the kind of person that was like, oh, well, they want this from me, so I'll give that. Got um, it. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I'm guilty of that too, definitely. <laughs> I think a big thing for me in the new year is setting boundaries and sort of like looking around at the things in my life that are working and not working. And you're totally inspiring yes. me with that because oh, good. <laughs> you do, yeah, you do have to look inward. And like you said, your husband has a fast-paced work life and that works for him. But sometimes when you're in a relationship and living in the same house, I find that too, like you have to still check in with yourself because while you're a great yeah. couple together, you have to also be strong within yourself and do what's best for you. And I think that's huge that you that you did that introspection. And yeah. it's really changed yeah. the course of your life. It really has. It's, it's kind of, honestly, I found um, personality typing and that was one of the most amazing helps to me because I have a really hard time voicing like um kind of my deepest thoughts and so having a way to kind of explain the way I think and the and start to understand more about myself really helped me realize like okay this you know this perspective that I have is not something that's healthy for me and I need to I need to work on figuring out what that looks like for me um so that that has been played a huge part in my life so you're really learning more about yourself now you took these I saw um these personality tests right 
Um, yes, the Enneagram, yes. and then the what was the other one? The Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm new to all of this. So, um, okay, yeah, I, I actually, in preparation for this interview, I took both of the tests to see what oh I goodness. was. Your life will never be the same. <laughs> um, I know. And, you know, like you said, I felt, like, really seen. And when I was reading there was, like, the results, I was like, wow, it's me. I feel validated. <laughs> so I'm a two for the Enneagram. Okay. You're a seven, okay. right? Twos, twos and sevens are actually somewhat similar. Okay. Um, and when I first took the Enneagram, I tested as a two, but I didn't resonate with everything. And so I started reading. Um, and I, I, as soon as I read the seven, I actually read it out loud to my husband and he kind of looked at me sideways and said, were they watching you? Oh my gosh. See, it's, it's kind of like scary accurate, right? It's almost a little creepy, especially the first time if you're not familiar with personality typing. Okay, that's um, where I'm at this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be creeped out. I'm super creeped out. And, and uh, full disclosure, I already started following like a lot of um, Enneagram 2 Instagram pages. There are so many good Instagram pages on the Enneagram. Um, and there, so... I'll give you a quick rundown if you want me to. Yes, please. Please do. <laughs> because, okay, one. yeah, um, for those who are listening who maybe aren't familiar with this personality test, what would you tell them? Yes. Okay, so the Enneagram is a very personal um, personality test. So they say um, that the people that are into all the typing of personalities, um, they say that the Myers-Briggs is kind of for relationships. Okay. And the Enneagram is for you. Um, so the Myers-Briggs kind of is like how you relate to other people and how they relate to you. And the Enneagram is a lot more about personal growth and development and um, how you might respond to other people in your life and things like that. So that's kind of the first um, the first thing I would mention. And I found Myers-Briggs actually first. Um, so I'm a newbie to um, the Enneagram, but I've been oh, got it. Okay. studying it for a few months now. And... It's, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Okay, so to give the people an idea, there's nine, right? Nine that you could be. Yes, so yes there num- are nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they say number one is the reformer, two, the helper. That's the one I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, the achiever. Four, the individualist. Five, the investigator. Six, the loyalist. Seven, this is you, the enthusiast. Do you find that to be true? I do. Oh, yes. (laughs) Eight, the challenger, and nine, the peacemaker. So I encourage everyone to take this test. It's very interesting, and it just will give you a little bit. It'll No, it'll, like, tell you who you are, really. Yes. And if you're taking the test and you get an answer that doesn't sound like you, a lot of people in the Enneagram space recommend just reading through them on your own and not even taking the test. Oh, okay. Um, And sort of seeing what you identify with? Yeah, um, because it's kind of such a personal process, um, sometimes the test doesn't type very well. So I'm surprised that you identified with a two, like the, the one that you got right away. Um, every single time I took it, I either got a two or a four, and I have neither of those. Oh, okay. Um, but I have, I have characteristics of both of those, and so um, I would recommend going to Enneagram, I think it's EnneagramInstitute.com or TheEnneagramInstitute.com, um, and you can can just read all the types so um I think the neat thing about the Enneagram is it's not designed to keep you in your type it's actually um a, a tool for growth oh I like that so, because there were a few characteristics that I wasn't thrilled 
with, even though they were true. <laughs> they were true. It will tell you the best parts and the worst parts of you. Exactly. Um, and that's why it's so hard, and that's why they consider it such a, a very personal thing. Um, but the neat thing about it is that it's not like this is who you are and this is who you'll always be. It's basically these are characteristics that are a part of you because of the experiences that you've been through. Oh, that makes sense. And as you grow, you can travel the wheel, if you will. Um, so you have a stress number and a growth number. And there's there's so many different levels of the Enneagram. But for instance, I am a seven. My stress number is a one. And a one in stress, I will go to very critical um very like notice all the flaws of everything that's going on and get super stressed about it but if I know that when I'm stressed I can take the good qualities of the one like the ability to write lists and check them off and do the next thing then I will operate much better when I'm under stress oh I love this Um, I love how it's a tool for growth Yes, yes. And then in the growth number, I go to actually a five, which means I get more introspective and more steady. And instead of just jumping to like a new good idea, because I'm enthusiastic about every good idea. Right. (laughs) um, I will I will slow myself down and really think about it and work it through. And so that's kind of a way for me to make sure that I'm growing is to see like, okay, am I just jumping from thing to thing to thing? Or am I, you know, making sure that this is going to be a good choice for my life? for you know the right next step and things like that so I love that about the Enneagram that it's literally designed to not keep you in your number (laughs) yeah I have to say by taking it I was you know I did feel seen and I did feel identified but I also felt like oh you know there are some things in there that while they are true like people pleasing um and put like you know putting others first almost a detriment to myself it was Mm -hmm. a sort of look inward of like things I would like to change and and it goes back to wanting to set boundaries for this year and sort of like, like you said, ride the wheel and see, you know, what other aspects of my personality that I want to amplify and which ones I want to sort of move away from. So I yes. love it. And I love that you turned me on to this stuff. I've been seeing it online. And then when you said you were an enthusiast of it, well, you're an enthusiast anyway, but <laughs> I was like, let me give these a try. And then the other one that people can try is the Myers-Briggs, which like you said, tells you more about your, per- your personal relationships with people. Yes. Um, The Myers-Briggs is the first one that I found. I would so recommend taking the test on 16personalities.com. And it's like the number 16, so 1-6. To me, it is the clearest. It's the simplest. Um, The test is fairly accurate, although I also tested wrong on that one. Oh, okay. Um, And again, these these can be like, it's kind of like a scale. So um, the Myers-Briggs has, you get a series of four letters and each one of those explains kind of a part of your personality. And um, I'm trying to remember what you are. Okay, so I'm an INFJ, introverted, okay. intuitive, feeling, judging. Okay, that's my sister actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so basically there the two, the first letter is either an I or an E and that's obviously introverted or extroverted. Um, the next letter is N or S and the N means intuitive. It basically means that you are more of a big picture thinker. So you can see kind of the whole of your, your universe or the world or whatever, you know, in an argument, you're more likely to say, I see your side. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see all the options basically. And then the, the opposite letter of that is S, which is, um, they're sensing and it's not, it's not like a 
you smell things. Yeah. <laughs> um, it means that you are very tactile and you use your senses. So sensing people tend to be more present and in the moment. Um, they're better at the here and now and not as good at the big picture, basically. Oh, yeah. That resonates with me. Um, okay. Yeah. And then the next no, the next letter is a T or an F, and that's thinking or feeling. And it doesn't mean that you don't think or you don't feel. Right. Um, it means that you operate from a space of thinking primarily or feeling primarily. So this was one of the biggest things that helped me and my husband is he is a thinker, like oh. 70 or 80% thinker. And he did not understand that someone could make a decision based off of feelings. Wow. And he was like, why are you doing this? You know, when right. we argue about something. And I'm like, because I know that I, it's not going to make me feel good. And he's like, but that doesn't matter because logically, blah, blah, blah. Right. Oh, so it's kind of, and, I'm going to have to have my husband take this to see where he lands. <laughs> he might be in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really interesting and it helped our relationship so much because we, I mean, as all newlyweds do, you know, you have trouble with communication but we didn't realize that it was a fundamental just a difference of he did not understand how I could think and make a decision based off of how I would feel and I did not understand why he would make a decision just based off of logic and not kind of look at that bigger picture of the feelings so that was a huge huge thing and then the last two numbers are P and J and that's perceiving or judging um, so I am a perceiver and that means again, that I can like see all the options. And so rather than make a quick decision, I tend to think it through and look at every option and it makes it harder for me to make a decision. Whereas a J can see the decisions and just know, okay, this is the one that I want to make. Um, so, so making decisions can come a little easier for a J. Got it. Okay, so we have the, we, down. <laughs> yeah, we have the middle two similar together. You and I have it the same. We're both yes, um, intuitive and feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, I'm definitely gonna have my husband do it. Okay, I'm encouraging everyone to take these tests. <laughs> have your significant other, someone that you share a lot of time with, take it to and see what's really going on. <laughs> One, one more thing that's super fun about this, if you want to laugh your behind off, go to Pinterest and look up your letters and then write the word humor after it. There oh my gosh. There are so many memes that make you feel so seen. <laughs> I'm diving into this world head first. It's really, really fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Well, thanks for giving me a lesson on that because that's, it's true, like, especially if you live with someone, whether it's your significant other or somebody else. Uh, it's important maybe to know those things about yourself, who you fundamentally are, because the other person may think you're just being stubborn or like arguing just to argue. But if it's something that's just fundamentally different in your personality types, then it's really good to know. It's not, you know, just being combative and it's something that you can know about one another and sort of go from there. And I think that would really help, you know, things flow more smoothly. Yeah. I know for me, um, I, I am a seven and so I go away in, in the Enneagram, I'm a seven. So I go away from any bad feelings. Um, I do not want to deal with them and I'm very good at stuffing them down. Um, my husband is an eight and he is like the challenger. So he will head like full on and want to talk an argument out and he can not, I mean, he's not like angry or anything. He just is very intense and he will debate and, and, you know, put his point forward and, and, you know, for years I felt like he was um, trying to convince me to come on his side and I would just shut down. I was like, I'm not going there. You know, that's the end. Yeah. Um, 
and it when I learned about that it made me realize that as as an eight he likes to have someone stand up and just say but I think this really firmly um and it actually makes an eight respect someone better when they do kind of say no but this um very you know more forcefully and more firmly and it's helped me communicate with him better because I understand what he needs from me um so that's it's I could go on about this all, all day. So. Yeah, I love it. That's so great. Um, okay, there's just so much for people to try. I love it. I'm going to link all of these. I'm going to link the ones you mentioned specifically because, like we said before, there are a lot of different websites and you may get different, you know, readings. So it's good to go to one that's more reputable. Yes, um, yes. That's so great. Okay, so diving into our topic of living with intention. So I always thought goals and intentions were synonymous, but I've been doing some research since you reached out um, and we connected, and I learned that there's a distinct difference. I learned that goals are a destination or a specific achievement, and intentions are lived each day independent of achieving the goal or destination. Goals are external achievements, and intentions are more about your relationship with yourself and others. Uh, what does yes. it mean to you to live with intention? What does that mean for you? Well, I think to live with intention is basically um, I my intention for my life. I guess I think it I think it can be defined differently for every single person. But I do not want to get to the end of my life and have any regrets. And I know that there's always going to be regrets. I mean, we're always going to make mistakes. But in the big picture, I don't want to look back and think, man, I wasted so much. Exactly. Um, and I've heard heard stories I mean we've all heard like the the articles on the radio or whatever about um people on their deathbed their biggest regrets and if you google it it's terrible and it's really sad because a lot of the time they really regret um a lot to do with relationships and not having kept up with relationships or not spending time with someone um or you know things like that and so I think my biggest thought of living with intention is to get really clear on what it is that you want out of life and what it is you want to give to life and um, how important the people in your life are and then come up with a way to live that every single day. Um, and to me, that's what intention intentional living is. Absolutely. And I feel like the those articles you were mentioning, um, a lot of times it was that they um, misprioritize their time or their energies a lot of time mm-hmm. you know they say like you're never gonna be on your deathbed being like I wish I worked more it's never <laughs> yeah. gonna be that you know it's you have to sort of like think like you said think about your life as a whole and like what plants do you want to water in your life and exactly. I think that's important but you're now you're a busy mom a wife you know an entrepreneur you, you have so much on your plate how in the somewhat sometimes chaos of life how do you find the time in your day-to-day to to make sure that you're sticking to your intentions and that you're being mindful? Um, I think one of the biggest things for me is um, making sure, now the, to me, intentions are backed up by goals. And so making sure that I am focusing on my goals. And when I say goals, I don't mean like run a 5K. I mean, um, so I have five areas of, of importance that I keep track of on a monthly basis. And making sure that I'm kind of heading in the direction of those things and and keeping them as even as I can um, is a big help. And then also making sure that I'm really working on the goals that I have because that is how you back up your intentions. 
Absolutely. I agree. I feel like, you know, if you have an intention of your life, but you don't, you know, set any concrete goals, then you're not really going to get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think with goal setting, a lot of people think that it's just for the fitness industry or the business industry because, you know, you have money goals or you have, um, you have a weight goal or whatever that might look like, but you can have goals in your relationship as well. And you can have goals with your friends and you can have goals with your self care. And I think keeping your goals well-rounded is something that women need to talk about because our lives change so much in the course of our lives. Um, I feel like women, and I, I don't know, this is my opinion, women experience a lot more change than men do because our bodies change in many different ways over the course of our lives. Um, our relationship status changes, our, um, our desires change. And I'm not saying that guys don't, but guys don't have babies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and There's so definitely I, a physical part of it. That's different for yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's, that's a really hard, um, world for women to navigate. It's been really difficult for me. I, I've seen so many women and myself included, we kind of tend to think about our life in like shorter segments. So as a teen, my like I wanted to get married so bad, you know, like right? So many okay, girls, yeah. You want the you want the prince, you know, the knight in shining armor to come, and and so that was what I wanted. And then I thought, okay, I want children, and so I found met my husband, and we got married, and then I had babies, and then I was kind of like, well, now what? Um, and it's different for other girls. I have another friend who went to college. She got her degree. She got out. She got her dream job. And six months in, she was like, I absolutely hate this. Oh, no. See, sometimes and, it's not always, yeah, what you think it's going to be. I think we, we tend to think, okay, this is what it's going to be. And then when it's not, we're, we're left floundering. And that's kind of what motherhood did for me. I thought I'm going to love being a mom. You know, I loved being a nanny and I do love being a mom, but being a mom, just, you know, mothering and wiping heinies (laughs) and things like that. It didn't fulfill, um, the rest of my life. And I found myself just thinking, okay, well, I, I don't really like this and I'm not happy here. So what's wrong? Um, And that was coupled with depression at the time and all the other health issues that I was having. But what I didn't realize is that I think a lot of times we put our eggs kind of in one basket Mm -hmm. or, you know, we think we're heading for a career. And then when life changes unexpectedly, we don't know what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, And so I think living with intention is kind of looking at the bigger picture. And already I'm thinking okay, my kids are going to be in high school in 10 years, you know, life's going to change then. What do, what do I want that to look like? How do I want to navigate that space? Um, how do I want to navigate when I'm a grandma and, and beyond, you know, all those things I think are, I think it's really important to just kind of open, open our eyes and look at the bigger picture so that we can live every day with like full on purpose. Absolutely. And I think that's hard too. And and for, especially for someone who's getting started, because I'm sort of new new to this world and like trying to really look inward and really look at the different categories of life. And I try to, I said it before, like I try to look at the different things in my life like plants. And it's like you said about making it even. It's hard to, you know, sometimes you're watering one plant so much, it's so full and it's blossoming and then you totally let the other ones go by the wayside. And I think what I'm trying to find is the balance of, you know, what 
your whole life because you love being a mom and motherhood is something you always dreamed of and you accomplished that goal and you're loving it. But like you said, there are other parts of your life. You're a very diverse person. You have a big life to fill. And while your Mm -hmm. husband and your children are a huge part of it, of course, there's still so much left of just you. And I think that's important for people to not get lost in just one role in your life and sort of... um, it's, it's all about introspection for me. It's really all about looking inward and just really seeing what's working, what's not, what's toxic, what has to go, what do you want right. more of? And I think that's part of intention, intentioned living as well. Yeah. Something I saw on your blog that I really liked was, I think you called it habit stacking. Is that what it was called? Yes. Okay, yes. can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that really resonated with me too. Um, well, the idea of habit stacking. So I'm a free spirit. I do not like rules. I do not like schedules. Um, anything that feels monotonous to me, just it feels like death to my soul. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there are other people that love that routine and stuff like that. But I am the kind of person that if I tell myself I need to go to bed at 11 o'clock every night, I'm going to stay up until 2 a.m. I'm um, other people. I, I'm the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't like it. Um, but habit stacking can work whether you are a... Um, a rule follower or not, or you love routine or not. And basically the idea is that, um, is that you already probably have some routines in your life. And if you want to, you want to grow your routines and find some more balance and, um, consistency that you find a routine that you're doing well, and then you add one simple thing on top of it. So you stack a habit. Um, So like for me, it would be my morning routine. I am terrible at making my bed. And um, if I get better at making my bed by, okay, I do my morning routine. And as soon as that's done, I go and make my bed. I'm not adding anything to a schedule that makes me feel stressed as someone that does not like schedules. But it's it's a simple addition to a rhythm. And you only add one. And then once you get that one down for like, I mean, it could take you months and that's okay. Um, But once you get that done, then you can add another one. And basically the idea is that you put certain things of your life on autopilot so that you do them without even thinking um, so that you can think about the stuff that that really matters to you. Absolutely. I love that idea. And I think that's perfect for someone who's struggling with getting in the groove or feels overwhelmed by the idea of like, like I lo- I'm the opposite. Like I love a to-do list. I love a schedule. I love routine. I love it. Um, but I, I know what you mean. It's sort of like for someone else that might be so stressful, like, oh my gosh, I have to wake up my morning routine X, Y, and Z. And it could just feel like so overwhelming that you don't want to do any of it. But habit yeah. stacking is such a great idea because if you just add one thing, and like you said, even if you let it go even if you just add that one thing for 90 days until it becomes part of your routine, then you add something else and so on and so forth until, and it's all in the approach, right? The perspective, it doesn't feel so overwhelming if it's just one at a time, little by little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know for me having some, when people say morning routine, that can feel very stressful. Um, if, if you are not a routine person, but, um, for me having a routine that I absolutely love, like one that I cannot wait to get out of bed in, you know, bed from for whatever. I can't think of the right word. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) But, um, but if you're, if you're not getting a consistent morning routine, um, start to fill your morning with things that can't, that you can't wait to get out of bed for. And if you start to do that, then the stuff that maybe you don't enjoy like cleaning or folding the laundry, it's, 
when you stack it on top, it's not so stressful because you started out on a really good foot. Absolutely. And you're kind of like in a groove, which I think is important. I like Mm -hmm. to, too, another thing, uh, sort of like like habit stacking or just like making something monotonous or something that you're dreading, adding a little bit of flavor of fun to it. So a lot of times when I'm folding laundry, that's when I'll save like my reality show indulgence, you know, like (laughs) that's, I'll do, if I have to fold laundry, well, I'm going to watch housewives or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, or like, if I have to do this, I'm going to, I have to do this long ride. I live in LA, so we're always in traffic. I'm definitely going to stop and get a coffee because that's going to make this ride so much better. Like little, you know, like little treats, like, like, you, you know, have to, sometimes you have language. to bribe your kids. You have to bribe yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big thing for me is like yes. self-bribery. <laughs> I started a habit on Saturdays that has turned into something super fun. I hated going grocery shopping. And with two little ones, my husband was working six days a week. Um, Well, he's been working six days a week for our entire marriage. And so I was solo um, all the time. And I just, I dreaded it because, you know, kids are touching things and they're licking the card and talking the whole time. And so it's very hard to think. And so I was trying to think what could make this habit better what could make it more fun and um I started asking a friend of mine to go with me and we would go to Target first and hit Starbucks while we're in Target naturally we would I mean obviously (laughs) and then we would buy a few things that we probably didn't need and then we would go grocery shopping together Um, oh my gosh that totally takes the sting out of it it makes it fun (laughs) (laughs) it's turned into like a a regular girl's um Thing that I do with a ton of my girlfriends and so um, we use the app Marco Polo and I will send a group message to everybody like hey I'm heading to Target in an hour and a half um, who's coming and some days I'll have four girls there and some days it's just me but it's made it so much better <laughs> oh absolutely and you're watering the plants of seeing your friends and catching up yes. um, yeah, it's yeah. Really fun. so there's like you know many benefits to it that's a great idea absolutely so I was going to ask you what advice you would give to someone who's wanting to approach life in 2020 in a more mindful way but I think you gave some really great you know baby (laughs) steps you know habit stacking and um you know just like adding something to make your routine more fun finding a way to sort of flip the perspective on it so it doesn't feel so overwhelming I mean is there anything else you wanted to add for um those who are coming into 2020 and really want to live with intention Um, well, I have a couple thoughts on that. One is as you're coming into the new year and you can do this at any time, you don't have to do this just at the beginning of the year. Um, ask yourself a couple big picture questions, and this is especially good for people that aren't natural big picture thinkers. Um, but you can ask yourself like, okay, in 10 years, kind of where am I going to be? And what do I want to see myself doing at that point? And then just journal it out, like write your answers, go really in depth. Like what, I mean, are there foods that you want to try and eat at that point? Yeah. What are your kids going to do? What do you want that relationship to look like? How about you and your husband or, um, whatever, just really go in depth about, um, about those big picture dreams and let yourself just imagine like whatever. Um, because that, that can be a driving force for everyday living with intention. You know, if you see yourself in 10 years running a marathon, 
Well, you're going to need to get your butt off the couch and start walking now. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that, that can help a ton with, um, just kind of casting a vision for your future. Um, and then the next thing that I would recommend is doing an end of year review. And again, it doesn't have to be at the end of the year, but, um, I've actually created like a journaling prompt booklet. It's an ebook that will walk you through some questions that, it changes your perspective on the end of your year because I've noticed and I've heard my friends say like, I did nothing good this year. Or, you know, you get to the end of a week and you look back and you're like, I did what did nothing. I even do? Yeah. I've done that <laughs> yeah. every and week so, forever. <laughs> um, this, this stops that from happening at the end of the year. And so what you do is basically just go back and you kind of review and the questions really get you thinking and honestly turn it into a celebration of how amazing your year was and what you learned and everything that you experienced. And then I have a prompt at the very end where you write everything that you didn't love and you basically like destroy that page. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what a good idea. It's super fun. I started doing that a couple years ago and it's actually turned into an art project for me. I just posted it on my Instagram feed a few days ago. Um, so I will write everything that I hated that I didn't like and then try to turn it into something beautiful. And, um, it's really, really fun to, to just think about, um, all of that and then just kind of like, okay, it's gone now. (laughs) Yeah. But that's such a beautiful gesture too, you know, taking something that you didn't like or something that didn't go your way and making it something beautiful. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. I love the way your brain works because that is so (laughs) inspiring. And I feel like everyone could really benefit from that because everyone has, you know, pages in their book that they look back on and they cringe. Something happened or something they did. Everybody sort of has that. They say not to live with regrets, but I mean, how is that really possible? There's definitely things you'd do differently. I think everyone would agree. Um, And so what a nice gesture to take that not so good page and make it a beautiful page. Mm -hmm. I love that. The first time I did it, I think I burnt it. And then the next year I had watercolor pencils and I thought, what would happen if I wrote all of it in watercolor pencil and then just watercolored over it so it just turned into like a blob of beautiful colors? Right, but you knew it was under there. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. I love that. Um, And that's available on your website? Yes, yes it is. Um, If you... um, I'm trying to remember what I set it up as on my computer. I'm so sorry. Oh, I no, forgot to have that totally fine. available. Um, I can definitely send you the link for it. Um, yeah, we'll put that right in the bio. Yes, okay. Let Absolutely. Let me grab my computer. Yeah. Um, but everyone should be following Kate on Instagram at Chasing Wonderment. <laughs> um, and also your podcast and blog is by the same name, correct? Chasing Wonderment yes. all around yep. is the brand. Okay. And everything can be found on my website. Absolutely. Um, That's so great. And you do have an online shop with merchandise like backpacks, hats, cozy sweats, and you even have a coffee table book. Yes, I do. Oh my I gosh. do. I work with a really good friend of mine. Um, she's an amazing photographer, and so she did all the photography, and then we turned it into a book together. So, so my question remains: When do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question I have as I read this all. She has an Instagram, a blog, a podcast, a book, merchandise. She's a mom, a wife, a seven, and in. ENFP. <laughs> well, let's just say I have a lot of good ideas and I work really well under pressure. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Well, you're so inspiring and I think that you left us a lot to think about and I'm sure everyone who is following Wonderfilled Week, if they love wonder like we do, they will definitely follow you at Chasing Wonderment. Um, everyone should check out your podcast and blog and we're going to put the link in for the, the workbook because that's amazing. 
That is awesome. I'm so grateful that I got to be on here. Um, I want to invite you and any of your listeners really quickly before we hop off. Um, I am actually doing a online guided intentional living um, community online. And so right now the first 40 members get free forever access, which means as long as I run this community, they will never have to pay anything. And what we're doing is we're running through all of the things that we kind of talked about today. So um, I have like a guided um, dreaming big workshop and then there's um, the year in the rear view mirror. So you kind of look back, it's all inside. And then it's also got a community that will kind of hopefully help to build women up and encourage them to keep going when you know the days happen when you don't want to live intentionally and get off the couch or whatever so if anyone would like to join that um you can head to chasingwonderment.com forward slash join and again the first 40 members are completely free i think there are 29 slots left. Okay, only 28. Only 28. I'm claiming number 29. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I want the forever access. Oh my gosh, yes. Everyone could benefit so much from that. So go get one of those spots, guys, before they're gone. Um, yes, yes. That's so Come amazing. <laughs> you are doing amazing work, and I just applaud you. I admire you, and I'm inspired by you. I want to thank you so much for being on. Everyone follow at Chasing Wonderment. And Kate, I just can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to chat. Me too. I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of Wonderfield Week. I hope you were able to connect with the content today and are feeling inspired to live life with intention. Be sure to take an online Enneagram test, the Myers-Briggs personality test to learn more about yourself and have a better understanding of how you approach the world. Please follow me on Instagram at Wonderfield Week and leave a review on iTunes if you enjoyed this episode. Thanks everyone. Happy 2020.